comes in the name of the Lord, Messiah, Deliverer, and King. May we be blessed as we receive his word to us. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and help us to listen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm sure you've heard the very well-worn story about young Maria, who returned home from Sunday school, one Palm Sunday, and told her mother that she'd learnt a new song. And it was about a cross-eyed bear called Gladly. Puzzled at first, her mum eventually solved the mystery. Apparently, Maria had been singing a Fanny Crosby hymn, Keep Thou My Way, O Lord, with a misquoted line in the last verse. Kept in thy tender care, gladly, the cross I'd bear. Well, you'll get it in a moment anyway. Gladly, the cross I'd bear. Yeah, okay. Well, you can understand the confusion, and to this day, I believe, especially in America, there are church creches that have little teddies called gladly in them. Now, Fanny Crosby wrote many well-known hymns, including Blessing, Blessed Assurance. She didn't have an easy life. Crosby became blind at the age of just six. A slight cold had caused inflammation of her eyes. And just as her doctor uh, had been away at the time, they didn't know what to do, so they got a stranger to come and assist her. And he recommended putting hot poultices on the eyes. Tragically, she lost her sight. And she never became resentful or bitter towards that man. But she remained a lady of great faith. And Crosby once said, I have always believed that the Lord is good in his infinite mercy. By this means consecrated me to the, this he consecrated me to the work that I'm still permitted to do. When I remember how blessed I am, how can I reply? Despite her blindness, Crosby went on to become a musician and a prolific writer. She lived until the age of 95 and remained a faithful Christian, believing that God can help us rise above our trials despite life's challenges and all the suffering that we may face. Sometimes hard times are a consequence of faithful Christianity. There's a cost to discipleship. I'm not talking about blindness here, but there are other ways that our faith sometimes means a cost. We remember what Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The Christian way is the way of self-sacrifice, but gladly the cross I'd bear? The word gladly to me conjures up eagerly or gratitude. Oh yes, I'll take up the cross. Great. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. A cross. And I struggle with the line of the wonderful hymn that we've sung today. And cheerful he to suffering goes. You see, Jesus and Christians aren't masochists. 
For me, gladly and cheerfully walking the way of Jesus isn't about happiness. It's more to do with willingness and obedience and blessedness. Someone once said to me, uh, oh, I don't like Holy Week. It's too gruesome. It's too painful to bear. And yet I believe it's essential that we journey to the cross with Jesus. We can't go straight from the praises of Palm Sunday to the praises of Easter Day. The triumph of the resurrection was only possible because of our Lord's suffering love. We have to learn the way of the cross. Christians can't conveniently escape difficulty and trials. The Lord never promised that. But we can eventually, ultimately, overcome them. So as today is the beginning of Holy Week, as we've journeyed through Lent, and Jesus now faces Jerusalem, the account of Palm Sunday can be found in all four Gospels, and they're slightly different in the Gospels. There's no mention of palms, actually, in Luke's Gospel. I don't know if you noticed that, just that the cloaks were thrown uh, before Jesus. But I'd like you to note two things in our readings today. First, the importance of hearing. The importance of hearing. And then, responding with willing persistence. And let's look at that first of all. The importance of our hearing. In the Old Testament reading, it was the third of the suffering servant songs that we have in Isaiah. Now, we don't know to whom this uh, refers But it finds resonance, as I said earlier, with Jesus' passion. The children of Israel had disobeyed God. They were in exile in Babylon. Yet God refuses to abandon them, but offers a way of salvation and freedom. So we read these words. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen, like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. You see, the servant doesn't run away in a time of trouble. Instead, he offers his life to others. And Isaiah's suffering servant, we see the radical response to the world's anger and hatred. He offers himself to it. And not told why he does what he does, except that God told him to do it, and he opened his ears to the way that the Lord wanted him to go. There's an ultimate fulfillment of this, of course, in our gospel lesson. What made Jesus ride into Jerusalem as he did? Did he awake one morning saying, oh, let's go to Jerusalem today. Why not? I don't think that's what happened at all. Jesus had been forewarning his disciples about Jerusalem and beyond too. Remember his words at Caesarea Philippi? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. 
that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Clearly, the Son of God had listened to his Father. We don't know when this was all revealed to him. Was it in the wilderness? Was it a dawning thing through his ministry? We don't know. But we know he was close to his Father. And in contrast to Israel's disobedience, here we see an obedient Lord. He made arrangements for his entry into the city at that time. He had no transportation of his own. He had to borrow it. He owned nothing himself. And then he joins the pilgrims arriving for the Passover festival. And Jesus was usually a walker. But unusually here we see him riding on a colt. Okay, there weren't many horses around, apart from those that belonged to the aristocracy and the rich. The horses were also associated with Roman oppression and war. So Jesus' choice of a donkey is a symbol of humility and peace. He also specifically asked for a colt. find this interesting. Uh, a donkey that had never been ridden, possibly revealing that a wild animal was in submission to him? We don't know. Yet isn't there a parallel here? The stubborn hearts of the Pharisees could not be broken. The wild hearts of the Pharisees, if you like. They wouldn't surrender to the servant king, but this wild beast does. As Jesus enters the holy city, he must have been watching the Pharisees. As the people shouted, Hosanna! Save now, as he's hailed as the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They must have really been riled. The purpose of Jesus riding into Jerusalem is revealed. He was now publicly nailing his colors to the mast. His claim to be their Messiah, the king of Israel, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy. Now his ministry was no longer private. He went public. Everything was transparent so that people had to make their judgment. But tragically, tragically, the praises turn to condemnation. So the drama of Palm Sunday was an act of obedience, of one that was in tune with his father and listening to the word of God which was to be fulfilled. So it's unsurprising to me then that when Jesus taught his disciples that it was clear that only those with ears would hear what he was saying. And my question to you today is, do you have ears to hear what the Lord is saying by his spirit to you today? Will you just listen today and on Easter day for the joyous message Or will you have ears to hear the hard message too? Will you attend Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Will you listen? And will you be public witnesses of people who are listening for the word of God to allow the experience of our servant king to speak deeply to you about what we're called to do and to be? a loving, self-giving people. So the first thing is we 
see the importance of hearing, of listening. But the second thing is then once we've heard, to respond with willing persistence. In our Isaiah reading, the suffering servant responds with faith and is prepared to bear the consequences. So he says, I offer my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Even though the road was tough, he remained obedient. And we see something of the nature of Christ in the suffering servant. And then the servant is confident that God will help him, that together they will overcome any adversary eventually. But it requires that willing persistence. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? I will set my face like flint. Remember similar words after Jesus' transfiguration? If you turn back to Luke 9, verse 51, you'll read these words. When the days draw near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. How have we set our faces to be followers of Christ today? There are two stories in the news this week about men who uh, have been on the run, as it were. Despite taking refuge, they've now both been arrested. Of course, I'm talking about the Australian journalist and the whistleblower Julian Assange and Jack Shepard, you remember, whose girlfriend died on the River Thames in a boating accident. Both had run, had hidden from the authorities and their judgment. But in contrast to Julian and Jack, we have a different J, Jesus. Despite being innocent, he faced the music, knowing what was ahead of him. Are we Christians who are prepared to face the music, to set our face, to do what needs to be done for the kingdom, even though it might be that suffering is a part of that? persecution in different ways. As he received adulation from the crowds and the disciples as well, he would have known that one of them would betray him. One of them would deny him. And most of them would fall asleep. Or they'd let him down in some other way. Just when he needed their support the most, they would suddenly drift away when the going got tough. As the phrase goes, when the going gets tough, the tough need to get going. He knew the suffering he would face. He knew what was going to happen on the cross. Yet he set his face like flint. For the love of you, for the love of me, and that in dying and in rising we might be saved and receive a new life. That the world might be transformed. But there's a cost. 
And Jesus calls me to realize how unwilling I am at times and how disobedient when faced with the challenges of true discipleship. And I'm sure I'm not alone. Sometimes we think it's our right actually to have a rest. It's our right to do what we want some of the time. And yet we're called to self-sacrifice, which is hard. But we have to set our face to it. There's a legend about an ancient village in Spain. And the villagers heard that the king was going to visit. And uh, in a thousand years, a king had never visited that village before. So excitement grew. And they thought that we must throw a big celebration for the king. And all the villagers agreed. Trouble was, it was a very poor village and there weren't many resources. Yet someone came up with a bright idea. Many of the locals made their own wine. Apologies to any teetotalers here. But they made their wine. And they thought everyone should bring a jug of their choice wine to the town square. And then what we could do is pour it all into a large vat and offer it to the king for his pleasure. What a wonderful cocktail it would be. And when the king draws near to drink, it would be the very best that he's ever tasted. Well, the day arrived for the king's arrival, and hundreds of people lined up to make their offering to their honored guest. They climbed the small stairway, poured through a small opening at the top their wine, and eventually the vat was full. And then the king arrived, and they were all very excited. And he was escorted into the square and given a silver cup and was told to go and draw some wine. And everybody anticipated the change on his face, representing the best that the villagers had. And he placed the cup under the spigot, turned the handle, and then drank the wine. The problem was, it tasted nothing more than water. You see, every villager had decided to withhold their best wine and substitute it with water, thinking that with so many cups of wine in the vat, it wouldn't really notice. If I hold back my bit, the king will never know the difference, you know. The problem is, everyone had the same idea. The king was greatly dishonored. Friends, will we dishonor our God? We will if we don't give him our best. We will dishonor the Lord if we substitute his way with anything less. We will quench the power of the Holy Spirit if we're not prepared to play our part. You see, like Jesus, despite the inevitable cost. We need to be willingly persistent. And if we all do that, if we all give up something of ourselves in love for the world, in love for one another, we can actually be part of the transformation of the Easter that's to come. St. Paul wrote in Romans 8 verse 13, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Or as the evangelist Tony Campolo once said, it's Friday, 
But Sunday is coming. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Will we walk through our Friday with the remembrance that Sunday will be before us? Ultimately, Easter is ours. So if I go back to that Fanny Crosby hymn that little Maria learnt, the correct last verse goes like this. Keep thou my all, O Lord. Hide my life in thine. O let thy sacred light over my pathway shine. Kept by thy tender care, gladly the cross I'll bear. Hear thou and grant my prayer. Hide my life in thine. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to hear you and head in the direction that you want us to go and not to shy away from difficulty. Help us to take up our cross and to be your persistent disciples. Help us to set our faces like flint. Save us from empty praise. Save us from superficiality. Save us from following the crowd. Save us from being fickle. Save us from pride. Save us from ourselves. Save us now, we pray, for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.